Syracuse has six days between basketball games, and then they have their six games to close out the regular season. What do they need to do in this break in order to close out the season strong? It's a Locked On Syracuse Friday, and it starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Owen Valentine here with Lockdown Syracuse. Making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. So Syracuse, with six days between games, right? They played on Wednesday. They do not play again until next Tuesday when they host NC State on Valentine's Day. It's nice to have this little break with a very, very important six-game stretch on the docket for Syracuse to close things out, right? You close out with NC State at home, Duke at home, Clemson and Pitt on the road. Then you host Georgia Tech and Wake Forest to close out the season. It's dire for Syracuse right now. It's not looking incredible, but as we've been starting to see and starting to talk, there are routes for Syracuse to make the tournament at this point in time. And would it not be the most Syracuse thing ever in terms of their bubble history of late to make a push here, get into some questions and, and have a little bit of fun down the stretch. I'm not sure I'm here to say that's going to happen, but there is a plausible and feasible stretch uh, or outcome of these next six games that obviously could put Syracuse into the conversation heading into the ACC tournament where maybe they're a win or two away from being solidly on that bubble. Uh, but a couple of things that I, I think we should discuss today, and, and I wanna start with some of the changes or some of the things that Syracuse needs to hone in on in these next six days, or now that it's Friday, in the four days between now and Tuesday uh, to have a solid stretch and put themselves in the best position possible to be competitive in the six remaining games in the regular season. It is not an easy task, but at this point in time, I believe there are three quad one victories on the docket in terms of Duke at home, in terms of Pitt on the road, and in terms of Clemson on the road. You've got some ability to make some noise in terms of big games, uh, and you got to get it done, right? These are not going to be easy games. These are tougher teams. I think Clemson and Pitt are both very beatable, but they are also both teams that are winning games. And you could say, and a lot of people would say that they're not great. And I think I'm probably in the same boat that these aren't incredible basketball teams by any means, but they're winning games. And it is difficult to win games and it is difficult to string wins together. Uh, Clemson lost their last two at this point in time. Pitt has had a good stretch, right? Since they beat Syracuse, uh, they have only lost three games. Uh, one to Clemson, one to Duke, and then a bad loss to Florida State. But but they're winning games, including wins over North Carolina, wins over Miami. Uh, they beat Virginia at home. This is, you know, a, a team that is solid uh, and has been winning games. And I think the more we talk about it, the more you want 
that pit game back because Syracuse played terribly for probably 30 minutes of that basketball game, but their last 10 minutes were outstanding. And if they played anything remotely close to those 10 minutes for even five more minutes of basketball, they would have won that basketball game. And that would have been a huge win for Syracuse at this point in time. First thing, I have rambled a little bit, but the first thing that I think needs to continue happening in terms of Syracuse and their success getting into this final stretch is Judah needs to continue showing that maturity and being the player that he has been in the last two games. Judah has shown me in the Boston College and the Florida State games that he is growing and he's maturing. And you can see it in the comments that that Jim has left uh, in that postgame presser that was really telling. Uh, after Florida State about the relationship that him and Judah have right now and the type of player that Judah is. And Jim talked about the competitiveness that he brings and how in that competitiveness, sometimes they go head-to-head a little bit and they battle. And that is okay, right? That's what you want. Multiple perspectives, getting info, getting insight, and pushing each other to get to you know the best quality basketball that you can pull together is going to be essential for Syracuse. And Jim needs to get everything humanly possible out of Judah before Judah leaves, whether it's this year or next year. Uh, And Judah needs to get the most out of his time at Syracuse, whether it's until the end of this year or next year, right? It is a mutually beneficial situation for both of them. Judah is going to help Jim in terms of winning games, in terms of helping his career, in terms of, you know, long, the longevity of how much longer he stays. Judah is a key contributor in that. And the same thing goes for, for Judah in his life with Jim, right? Jim is although you're going to complain about him, although he's had some feisty moments this season, a wealth of basketball knowledge and has coached NBA talent and has gotten players to the next level and does a good job improving with players that can improve. Jim is going to help him grow. And that is really cool to see that Judah has been coachable in the last two games and sitting out for for brief stints in the second half, regaining his composure and coming out and balling for, for the remainder of the game, right? He, he struggled, and, and Jim benched him for, I want to say it was like two minutes and change in the second half against Florida State, and he came out with this revitalized energy, this added composure, and Jim said, right, you got to understand situations. This is a new position for Judah Mintz. This is something that is not what you're used to uh, in terms of what he's doing. He is not a point guard. He's not a true point guard. He's been a combo guard his whole career, And he is learning the point guard role and getting more comfortable with it and understanding slowly and surely. And I would even alter that from slowly but surely. Uh, He's getting it at a relatively rapid pace. He's starting to figure it out, piece things together. How you can approach different teams and different defenses and different scenarios in terms of personnel on the other team. When are the times to force it? Or when are the times to push it? When are the times to be a little more controlled and run the offense? He's getting there a little bit better, uh, and his continued growth and continued composure is paramount for Syracuse in these you know, upcoming six games. Syracuse has been in basketball games where they could have gotten their marquee victory of the year, right? You saw it against UNC. You saw it against Miami. You saw it against Virginia. With Judah playing, with the composure that you've seen, and yes, right, they're the bottom of the ACC with BC and Florida State, but Judah played with an added composure down the stretch of those games that I do think will come out on top in this six-game stretch when you've got, you know, four or five of those six games are in Kempom's top 75, 
and you're playing quality teams, I think if Judah plays with that composure and that quality uh, and that maturity that we haven't always seen from him this season, but we have started to see down the stretch and start to see with greater frequency, Syracuse will walk away victorious in those games. And it is going to be really, really fun to see what they can do in this last and final stretch uh, as they're playing a really difficult opponents, teams that are winning basketball games and looking really solid at this point in time. All right, let's take a quick break and we will hear from our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. All right. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America. That's right. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spread to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe. It is secure and it is super easy to use. Best of all, you get paid for your winnings instantly. I love the FanDuel app because it is simple to navigate. It's easy to deposit and it is easy to withdraw once you walk out victorious. I don't want to give you a Super Bowl bet here because I, I do not want to put a jinx on anything. I've got a handful of bets in at this point in time, uh, and I don't want to put the jinx on because bets that I have shared on this podcast have gone incredibly poorly. So I am not going to burden you with that news. I'm just going to say I really do enjoy the FanDuel app. It's easy. It's fun. It's simple. Uh, so join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 50. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, so we have talked a little bit about what we need to see in terms of growth from Syracuse in this six-game stretch to close out the year. And, and taking this six-game break or the six-day break, uh, almost a full week off, which you don't typically see in the college basketball season, with great frequency by any means, how can you best improve in these six game or six days uh, for that six game stretch? So the next thing that I sort of have in terms of an improvement that I want to see and a consistency that I want to see, and this sort of builds everything we've talked about this year. And I almost feel like I'm repeating myself and I don't even want to elaborate it on all too much, but we have had this conversation regarding the forwards with so much frequency and the conversation runs the exact same way every time we have it some days it's all right chris bell played a great game you got to step up uh from justin taylor and benny williams or some days it's benny played a solid game you've got to see taylor you've got to see bell step up some days it's taylor played an outstanding performance you've got to see them step up or you've got to see uh benny and you've got to see uh bell step up right we we have this conversation and it is just uh, a cycle of who played the good game and then saying the other two need to step up. I think at this point in time, I'm done saying that they all need to step up. And, and it, it really is one of the three needs to play a solid game. And it could be a combined one of the three. It could be two of the three that play okay games. Uh, but this trio of players needs to combine for as close to 10 and 10 as possible. Uh, and I, I think that will put Syracuse 
in a really good position. Joe's playing basketball at, at a pretty solid level, and he's had some struggle games this season, right? I don't need to deny that. I don't think anyone would let me deny that. But Joe's playing decent basketball for the most part this season and is scoring and has been the key contributor for Syracuse when they win games. Jesse Edwards is getting there, and he's starting to show once again in this two-game stretch that, that he can play and he can get his fill and he can score. Judah continues to score. He's averaging 15-plus right now. Uh, and continues to show that he can score. You've got three guys that are scoring the basketball right now. Malik Brown does it occasionally. Malik's going to get his, I'll say, four to 12, six to 12 points, I'll say. I'm pretty confident that Malik and the style he plays, getting some rebounds, uh, when Jesse's drawing attention, being open, and letting Jesse grab an assist there, I'm confident that Malik Brown can get his six to 12. The other three forwards, between Bell, between Taylor, between Benny, in any capacity or in math you want to go about it, those three need to combine for 10 and 10. And if they combine for 10 and 10, I think Syracuse is in an incredible position to win pretty much every game down the stretch. I, I don't think you need all that much out of them. Are there going to be games where Syracuse benefits even more because they are putting up numbers better than that? I hope so. And I think they have the skill to do that. But when you're thinking of, right, the fourth sometimes depending on how Malik's playing, right? The fourth or fifth scoring option and the combination of that, 10 and 10 is going to be incredibly valuable. And it's something that Syracuse will be able to, to build off of and that will do enough for them to win, right? You think of the Florida State game where they combined for 12 points and, oh boy, my math is struggling, 12 and nine. In that Florida State game, that is enough. That is going to be enough for them to win. You go to the Boston College game where, where Taylor played a solid game uh, and they combine for nine plus Benny's two. They combined for 11 points and they struggled on the rebounding thing there, right? 11 points and five rebounds, I think, something like that. So they need to do a little bit more in the rebounding. And obviously, if, if Bell can continue to rebound like he did, uh, against Florida State, that's going to be massive. But those two, three players just need to combine for double-digit scoring and get somewhere close to 10 rebounds. I think that is paramount uh, and incredibly important for Syracuse's success uh, closing out the regular season. Uh, I, I want to talk about this because I think it's a good point. Somebody asked this on uh, on the block with, uh, with Brent Axe. Uh, I think it was yesterday's episode on Thursday. Would you rather have Chris Bell hit two threes a game or five rebounds a game. And Brent said two threes is more important. And I think it's an interesting take. And his rationale was that in hitting two threes, you are supplementing Joe Girard in terms of the three-point scoring threat. And Syracuse doesn't have that supplemental three-point action, right? When you look at the Florida or the BC game, right? Two players hit a three. It was Justin Taylor and Joe Girard. When you look at the Florida State game, it was a little bit more balanced, and there was a little bit more in terms of who could hit a three, but you're also not having that much action, right? You, you had more guys take threes, but it was Joe hitting a three or five threes and Chris hitting one three, right? There are not games where you're getting big-time three-point performances from multiple play two players, and so the benefit of having Chris Bell hit multiple threes a game is going to be way more beneficial because Syracuse does have players that can rebound. Malik can rebound. 
Joe rebounds deep pretty well for, for his size uh, and for his position. Jesse is going to grab your rebounds. And so the point was that, you know, the rebounding can be alleviated and can be fixed on uh, or fixed up in terms of other guys grabbing their fill rebounding. Bell's three-point shooting is way more important in terms of supplementing than his rebounding is in terms of supplementing. Bell grabbing a couple rebounds a game, although it's fun, although it's beneficial, although it's important, is not going to do as much for Syracuse in terms of a win as him hitting multiple threes a game will do. So I think that's an interesting one uh, for this as well. All right, what's next? And, and this is something that I, I think we, we're starting to see, and I want to hone in on it because of how effective it is when it works. Jesse Edwards needs to continue playing at the level that he has uh, the last two games. Uh, even, you know, the, the Florida State game wasn't incredible out of him. Uh, I think there were some situations in there that – that caused him to struggle a little bit, especially um, with McLeod in there and, and the size that he brings to the table threw Jesse off a little bit on uh, some of the looks that Florida state offensively was able to do. And I thought Leonard Hamilton was, was going to do it for a little bit and was really, really solid uh, in terms of putting Jesse into tough spots uh, on defense. But Jesse has, has played two of his best games. Uh, in back-to-back games, uh, and starting to get back into the rhythm that we saw from him early on in the season. And it's something that you need from him. And he is going to put Syracuse in positions to win when he plays good games, right? You almost need the 3J trio of Joe, of Judah, of Jesse to each put in getting wins and and being solid and, and walking out victorious in these games. Right, we talked about it. Jesse had 18 or more points in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of the first eight games or six of the first nine games of the season. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, six of the first 10. So he was doing it 60% of the time. Since then, he's had 18 plus three times in the remaining games. Uh, and they have two of those three have been in the last two games. So you need that out of Syracuse for the success. Jesse's got to stay with that confidence. He seems like he looks a little more comfortable in the post uh, and is trying some moves that have worked really effectively and are working really well uh, and are getting him better looks and cleaner looks. And I think that's going to be huge for Syracuse moving forward is for him to continue playing at the level you've seen him play, right? It's lower level teams. It is the bottom of the ACC that he's playing with BC and Florida State. But bottom level teams, help you build momentum to when you are playing better opponents. And that is what you're going to see when Syracuse does this stretch with NC State, with Duke, with Clemson, with Pitt, with Wake Forest in there, right? You've got a tough stretch and you want to build momentum going into that stretch. So even though it's against lower level teams, I'm really excited for the confidence Jesse seems to be playing with in terms of building and being able to parlay that into an incredibly crucial six game stretch for Syracuse to close out the regular season. All right. I don't think I was planning on talking about this today, but I, I think we might as well hit on it. What does Syracuse need to do at this point to be in the tournament conversation entering the ACC tournament? Uh, I was asked after the game on Wednesday if five of six would make the cut. I think five of six puts them in a really, really good position. Uh, to win maybe one or two ACC tournament games and be on the bubble. 
if they win four, it gets a little bit more difficult. If they win four out of six, and obviously everything I talk about here implies that one of the losses does not come to Georgia Tech. You cannot lose to Georgia Tech and make the tournament, I don't think. Um, but if they go four and two to close out the year and they are 19 and 12, I think three games in the ACC tournament makes it a conversation. I don't know if that quite does it. I think you got to go five or six here. It is going to be crucial for Syracuse in being in this tournament conversation. Do they do it? I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's got to be five of six and then probably two games in the ACC tournament to be in the conversation. You win five of six and win three ACC tournament games. That's some impressive stuff. And I, I think you are in at that point in time. But five wins in the regular season, two wins in the ACC tournament puts you at 22 and 11. I think that might be just enough to pull this off. It is a tall task. It is a massive ask to pull that off. But if they do, I think that would be an incredibly Syracuse thing to do, an incredibly fun way to wrap up this season uh, and, and try and build off of the growth that you have seen from this incredibly young core. Uh, I got a couple of shout outs to, uh, to wrap up this episode. Uh, the first shout out goes to the Cuse women's basketball team, knocking off a top 15 UNC at home in the dome yesterday. They had an unbelievable third quarter. I think they shot like 12 of 16 as a team in the third quarter for 31 points. They were absolutely unreal in the third, uh, got themselves up pretty close to 15 and UNC just didn't have enough time to crawl back from that. And Syracuse did enough. Huge win. Love seeing what they're doing over there. They're playing some fun basketball. They've got some quality talent, uh, and, and they're doing a lot of good things uh, over on the woman's side of the ball. So first shout-out goes to them. Second shout-out, Cuse Men's Lax. Uh, they have their second game of the season tonight. They play Albany at home. Uh, should be a good crowd. Uh, I believe my parents are going up. Uh, one of my brother's good friends plays for the Albany uh, men's lax team. Uh, so that's going to be a cool one for, for them to see him and see him play. Uh, but big game for him. This is a team that's very young, right? A little bit of, uh, of overlap in terms of what you're looking at with men's basketball, right? A young team that's not quite where they want to be but they have the pieces that in a year or two, they are going to be incredible talents. Uh, and so I'm excited to see what Syracuse does uh, lacrosse-wise this season. Joey Spelina leads probably uh, one of the best recruiting classes Syracuse men's lacks has ever had um, in terms of how many five-star guys they've got. They brought in so much talent this year uh, and they're playing some fun lacrosse. Uh, they got their season opener against Vermont, probably wasn't as clean of a win as they were looking for, but they are going for it again. They'll figure some things out. They'll clean some things up and, uh, and play some quality lacrosse. The last shout out, or maybe I have a couple of shout outs uh, to close this one out. Um, oh boy. I want to shout out the Syracuse basketball bench. I, uh, you know, hand up. I was not always on the field. When I was playing sports, I have a very much a great appreciation for a fun little bench culture. And, and Syracuse's bench throughout this basketball season has been really fun to watch. John Bull led the pack from the start. Uh, Kadir Copeland joining in on that conversation. It's fun to watch what they do. It is fun to see them react and, and bring that energy and bring that fun. They're dancing on the sidelines. They're dancing in timeouts. 
the pregame warmups for Syracuse are so loose and relaxed. And I think a lot of that has to do with the culture that is being built from this bench. And as you look forward and you look into some conversations about will people transfer, will they stay, do they like the culture enough? Seeing bench culture like that is a fun sign and a good indicator that people like where they're at because you are not acting like that and having that good a time and behaving like that in a situation that you want out of desperately. So I do think that's a good sign as, as Syracuse goes. So we'll have a little weekend off. We'll come back Monday with uh, some, I don't even know what we'll do Monday because you've got another day off Tuesday, right? We've got some interesting stuff. I'll try and bring in a guest uh, for early in the week. Maybe we'll do an interview. Maybe we'll talk recruiting. Maybe we can see if we can get a recruit on to get an update uh, in terms of where things are. I know Marcus Adams has been picking up offers left and right. He released his top five uh, and he has picked up uh, a number of solid offers since releasing that top five. So I assume the top five will change rapidly. Uh, I think this week he picked up offers from Kansas and Indiana amongst others. So he is uh, very much continuing to rise in terms of eyes of scouts and in terms of recruiting rankings and records and things like that. So that's something to keep an eye out on. Uh, But that's where we'll call things for today. We'll have a lot to talk about, even with six days off from Syracuse basketball come Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday will be a preview episode. What am I thinking? But Monday, we'll try and do something fun, mix things up a little bit uh, as we close this out. If you're looking for a little bit more in terms of the college basketball, Phil, or you want to hear a little bit maybe about some of those teams that Syracuse has on the docket to close out the regular season, you can check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. Izzy and Andy bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from our big name experts, coaches, and players throughout basketball. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, looking to sort of solidify what Syracuse needs to do to put themselves in a position to win basketball games down the stretch. It's going to come down to a handful of big-name players and some role guys as well. They're going to have to step it up on defense, and they are going to be in positions to win games. Can they string enough together to make a tournament push? I don't think so, but you have to play the game in order to see how that goes. I'm Owen Valentine. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would like, you can hit the subscribe button right there, and you will be able to get our notifications when we post pop up on your timeline or your feeds even more frequently. We appreciate all of the interactions that you guys give us and talk with uh, because the conversations are always fun. They drive episodes and they drive our engagement. Without you, there is nothing. So thank you so much. I'll see you on Monday.